Greenlight is the debit card and app for kids and teens. Now with investing. Investing is key to building long-term wealth. And with Greenlight, your kids can learn to invest at any age. They research stocks to buy, invest as little as $1, and you approve every trade. Track progress over time and learn about the world of investing together. Ready to invest in your kids' futures? Visit greenlightcard.com today for your free month trial. New hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or re-hung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, D-Gen Nation? Kenny Kim here, your friendly neighborhood Korean, bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the Desert Classic. Yes, that definitely was a Spider-Man reference in the beginning. I've watched a whole bunch of these Marvel movies lately. Pretty genius stuff there. The guy who produced it, I forget his name, Kevin Free, Kevin Prey, whatever his name is, doing all those Marvel movies in a row. Pretty amazing stuff. Usually I'm here with my partner in crime, Tam, uh, Tyler Tambellini, but Tyler could not make it today, so I am running this solo this week. This is the first solo Fantasy Golf Degenerates pod in the history of our pod, uh, over 150 episodes, so we'll see how this goes. If it sucks, don't worry. Tyler will be back next week. If it's good, cool. Maybe we'll do it again sometime. But uh, last week, so let's talk about last week in the Sony Open. I started with a little Marvel entrance because, um, you know, Last week, it seems like Matt Kuchar had a little bit in common with with Thanos there. Very, very hated, uh, very hated stuff going on with Matt Kuchar uh, with his whole controversy over his tip uh, or his payment of the caddy uh, in uh, the uh, Mayakoba Classic there a few weeks ago. For me, personally, it's a non-story. Like, whatever these guys do, if he's cheap, he's cheap. That doesn't mean that we're not going to use him in golf. That doesn't mean we're not going to play bet him. So, I mean, it really has no effect on that part of the game. Now, as a person, I work in the service industry. So, uh, you know, personally, I'd rather be good with uh, big tippers and stuff like that, guys who pay their weight. Um, And from what I've heard, from the no-laying-up guy, supposedly this is a normal thing from Kucha. But it doesn't matter. 
It shouldn't affect the way you go about your weekly process when it comes to gambling, when it comes to DFS sports. Now, if you lost a little bit of uh, respect for Kucher, that's one thing. But one another thing is we don't know the whole story yet. So before you make your conclusions, always try and get all the info you need. So more talk about you know movies and TV shows compared to golf. So this past week, uh, I've been re-watching The Sopranos. It's the 20th anniversary of probably one of the greatest shows ever made. When that show came out, there was nothing like it on TV. Uh, it sort of brought about the age of rooting for the bad guy. You know, like you see it with The Sopranos. You saw it with Breaking Bad. You saw it with Dexter. You know, you sort of started getting get those TV shows where you start rooting for the bad guy. And I think um, the, uh, the Sopranos was the original, you know, create one of the original creators of that. And I was thinking about, you know, how different golfers compared to characters uh, in The Sopranos. So I was thinking, you know, in the past, you know, in this Tiger era, you got to expect Tiger Woods to be Tony Soprano, correct? Uh, I put um, Phil Mickelson as Carmela Soprano. I know people are laughing there. I know some people know that I'm not the biggest Phil fan there is, all you know, but uh, it, them two made the show work, just like they've made the PGA. Phil and Tiger have made the PGA work for the last 20 plus years, they've carried it on their backs. Uh, the show is basically has been about those two guys, even though there's been some great other golfers out there. Those are the two guys that sort of, you know, move the needle. They were the, the, the straw that stirs the drink. Those are the two guys, just like Tony and Carmelo were uh, on The Sopranos. Now, personally, I think Big Pussy would be like, uh, what's his name? Anthony Kim, you know, a guy that everyone loved, a guy that everyone respected, you know, was a was was a flamed out too fast. You know, you saw Big Pussy get get shot in the get whacked in the first uh, first season of Sopranos. You saw Anthony Kim, you know, make his ascendance uh, into greatness before you know injuries and you know a lack of maybe maybe having a little bit of burnout uh, caused him to fall off. Um, Tony uh, Matt Kuchar, this is where I was getting with this. Matt Kuchar, personally, I think he is the uh, Silvio Dante. Of the Sopranos. This guy is a guy that everyone usually loves. You know, seems like a nice guy, but, you know, in the back of his mind, in the back of everyone's mind, we all know that he's cold blooded. And Matt Kuchar was cold blooded on the back nine on Sunday. You know, after starting off a little bit slow uh, Sunday early in the round, maybe something to do with all that talk about what happened with his. Uh, payment for the caddy and that going around might have had something to do with it i doubt it i don't know how much these guys really look into that social media type thing because it was basically a rumor started on twitter but anyways just like silvio you know matt kuchar likable guy uh and then he just came through on that back nine and showed showed his cold bloodedness like he came through with more with four or five birdies on the back sort of left everyone in the dust and and did extremely well and that probably was a horrible, you know, uh, comparison between the two. But I needed to fill some time for the show. So that's what you guys are going to get this week, especially because it's just me out here. Uh, other guys that played well last week. It's going to – oh, another thing about uh, Silvio and Matt Kuchar. You know, Silvio's favorite saying in, in his first uh, – at least in the first couple of seasons was that, you know, Al Pacino saying from Godfather 3, you know, I thought I was out but they pulled me back in. And that's basically what's been happening with Kuchar as well. As Kuchar, you know, we thought no wins in about five or six years. You know, we thought he was on a downturn of his career. 
And then he comes in with two wins in his last five events. So he's bringing me back in. Cooch is bringing me back in. The guy has some chances this year. I like what Golf Channel said about him earlier today um, on the uh, on, on one of their shows. I forget which one it was. Talking about how his career trajectory sort of reminds people of Mark O'Mara. You know, O'Mara was a guy who won often but not frequently, never won the major, and then finally in uh, at the age of 41, you know, he won the Masters. He won uh, another major the next year. I think I think it was the Open Championship. So a couple of majors uh, in a very short span at a, a higher age than most. And I can see that coming from Kuchar, especially this season. Now, if you take a look at the majors that are coming up and where they're located, you know, Matt, the Masters, Kuchar's always been good at the Masters, three top fives there throughout his career. Uh, his best ever uh, U.S. Open appearance was at Pebble Beach. I think he finished sixth when they were there in 2010. Uh, and, you know, you've seen him at the Open Championship dueling it out with Jordan Spieth a couple years ago, so you know he's comfortable on those tracks. Those are three tracks that I would think about putting some money on uh, Kuchar this year. This could be his year. He has that Mark O'Meara type of feel, that type of vibe. So that's something to look for. Um, I think I, – I, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I'm I, I, if I remember correctly, he was like 66 to one at Augusta, um, you know, somewhere around there for the other two tournaments as well. So take a peek at your local bookie and see if you want to put some money down on futures bets for Matt Kuchar. Other guys that performed well this past week. I mean, you see guys like, you know, Bryson DeChambeau and Justin Thomas going out there and shooting, you know, finishing 10th and 16th and thinking that they have off week. That's how good. Those two guys are, uh, you know, Bryson finished top 10, excuse me, <coughs> JT finished uh, 16th. Um, and so, you know, we, we think that they're bad weeks, but this shows how good and how consistent those, these top notch golfers are and this golden age that we're in right now. Also, Mark Leishman, another guy who's coming in strong, another guy who you should look at probably futures bets for major championships this season. I already put a couple of down on him already for a couple of events. Uh, and, and he came in third place again, another top five showing, coming off really, really strong fall, going straight in to this new season. Leishman is somebody to look at each and every week he plays. Um, Andrew Putnam, who I had a 10-to-1 ticket on, uh, which was a little bit annoying because really definitely would have liked to have that little bit of extra money. Uh, he had a nice solid appearance. I mean, it's not like he played horribly um, on on uh, Sunday, but this Matt Kuchar just came on on that back nine, a little bit of experience. We got Corey Connors, uh, who's you know sort of been a boomer bust type play in the top five, top ten, or he missed the cut. Uh, you know, birdie maker supreme. You know, I know Tambo's a big fan of him since he is from Canada. And you see the old guy, Davis Love the third. I know I said the old guys last week have no shot, but man, this guy is defying age. I think if I read somewhere something correctly, he has four wins in four different decades. That is impressive stuff for the old man. And on these courses where, you know, it's, it's not that intimidating off the tee, uh, you know, a little bit shorter of a course. And it, these could be the courses where you could see him pop throughout the year. So really, really solid tournament. Good way to kick off the season. Personally for me, uh, my cash game cornerstones hit with all four of them made the cut, which was nice because it last week, only about less than five, like about 3% of lineups had six to six through in cash going into Sunday. There was an MDF on Saturday, which changed things a little bit. But all my golfers, cash game cornerstones, first week, 
makes it through uh, through Sunday. So that was a solid week. My dumbass went Adam Scott and uh, Ian Poulter in cash. My second option was Matt Kuchar and Ches Reedy. So I made the wrong option. But still, I uh, was still good enough to cash in double ups. I had to wait till the very end, but it still made it with five or six through. Uh, so it was good cash week. Uh, solid GPP week. I had a couple of sweats coming into Sunday. It all centered around, I had a couple of Putnam Kuchar um, uh, lineups there that did very well. They got six of six through, but I, for some reason I had Danny Lee in both of those lineups. And then he had a stretch yesterday where he went six over after two holes. So that hurt me a lot. But overall, a winning week, solid start to the season. Um, so let's get on to uh, this week. Before we do that, actually, let's go and talk about our listener league. The winner last week was NWKCAT1981. Uh, so really solid lineup. I guess he's a Patrick Mahomes fan since he has his jersey as his avatar. Sorry, I just lit a cigarette. It's a lot harder to smoke when you're doing the pod by yourself. Um, now, he, now, NWKCAT1981 had Justin Thomas uh, in 16th place. 37.5% owned in the Listener League. Ian Poulter uh, finished 33rd, 28.5% owned. He had Matt Kuchar, of course, 33.5% owned. Uh, I had a bunch of Kuchar last week. And one thing, if you, I, mean, I might not have spoke about him on the pod last week, but I did mention him a bunch as the week went on because I started liking him more and more. So make sure you check my Twitter feed out um, even after you listen to the pod. There will be some adjustments. There will be some changes since we record this pod so early in the week. But anyways, Matt Kuchar, 33.5% winner. Scott Piercy, uh, 21.5% in 33rd place. Chaz Reavy, uh 13% owned, pretty lightly owned. That was probably his, his winning decision right there, uh, finishing in third place. And Brian Stewart with his first top 10 uh, since, I think, maybe his first top 25 since last year. Sony, a half a percentage owned. He was the only person that owned Brian Stewart, and he had uh, him finishing in, in eighth place. So really solid lineup. I think, um, you know, it was sort of like a, 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 a cash plus Brian Stewart. I could see using... All the other five golfers in cash lineups, there was no issues with that. And then he threw uh, Brian Stewart in the mix. And Ches Reavy basically won in form with that top three finish uh, being only 13% owned. All right, so let's move on to this week's tournament. PGA Tour moves to California this week for the old Bob Hope Classic. Now, it used to be called the Bob Hope Classic. Last year, it was called the Career Builders Challenge. It is now called the Desert Classic, and we played on three different courses. The Jack Nicholas Tournament Course at PGA West, um, La Quinta Country Club, and the Stadium Course at PGA West, where they play two rounds uh, if the golfers make the cut. This rotation of courses started just three years ago, so course history is somewhat limited. I will be relying more on stats uh, for the course and current form more than um, course history, and I do that each and every week. I've sort of gotten off the course history train. I'm still a fan of the stat, uh, but it's not the end-all, be-all for me anymore, not even close. And now, this tournament is a bit unconventional because all golfers will play each course once the first three days. Then there will be a cut on Saturday. Uh, the cut is top 70 in ties unless – more than 78 golfers are in the top 70. If more than 78 golfers are in the top 70 uh, with ties, the cut drops to top 60 in ties. And I'm pretty sure the guys from like that would have made the cut, like that were in the top 70, 
they still get paid, but it would count as an MDF for those guys. So uh, it, for, for DFS purposes, it's top 60 in ties if more than 78 golfers make the cut on Saturday. Uh, the remaining golfers will battle it out Sunday at the stadium course to find a victor. Now, because of this, golfers in your lineups that miss the cut will have less total effect on your DraftKings score. Like last week, I'll give you an example. Last week, after the, the cut, I had five and six through, and I was basically almost still in dead fucking last in cash games. But as the second, the third round completed, since uh, and there was another MDF, and the line went from you know around ten percent with five, six and six through to three percent with six and six through, and only about twenty percent with five of five through, or five of six through. I was able to jump up half about about a half, about three quarters of the way, uh, half the way to cashing from last on Saturday, and then Sunday because I had five and six still playing, I was able to get into the cash uh, in double ups uh, by the end of the tournament. So you know those two days and the, those cuts, that's an important thing when it comes for six of six. Now having as many golfers as possible make the cut is still important. But you can get away with missed cuts and still possibly cash uh, at a more probable rate uh, than other tournaments with a uh, with a normal Friday second round cut. So this means you can be a little bit more aggressive in picking golfers with upside, especially for your cash lineups, double ups, head to heads, and 50-50s. And my first cash game cornerstone pick will be uh, in that aggressive approach, a little bit different. And I'll go over that here soon. Now, this event is also a pro-am, so the course and pin locations won't be set up too difficult except on Sunday at the stadium course. Uh, the pro-am event ends on Saturday, so they'll probably move tee boxes back and make the pin locations a bit more challenging for the pros on Sunday. Now, the weather looks good for the week, though it is possible that we'll see some rain on Thursday. Golfers will need patience because long rounds are the norm here, for the first three days due to the amateur playing partners. Well, <coughs> excuse me. Now, two years ago, during the first three rounds, the stadium course had a scoring average of 70.908. The Nicholas course scoring average was 68.93. And La Quinta played at 69.149. Now, two years ago, the scoring was more difficult do the windy and wet conditions. So let's go, let's go ahead and skip that year. So last year, uh, in mostly benign weather conditions, which we'll see again probably this week, uh, La Quinta played the easiest and was actually the easiest course on tour. Uh, the difference between La Quinta and Nicholas is very minuscule, as the Nicholas course was the second easiest course on tour. Uh, and this is something to keep in mind when making first-round leader bets. Now, the, the, the tee times just came out as I started the podcast, so I haven't even looked at it. So it's something that you're going to have to pay attention to, especially with these first-round leader bets. You're going to want to, uh, you know, first the first-round leader coming from the stadium course will be very unlikely. So the amount of golfers to pick from is cut in third, making us, the betters, have slightly better odds than normal for first-round leader bets. Now, throw in the fact that a lot of first-round leaders play in the morning wave. You can cut down the possible options even more. Uh, now, that's going to be very important, so make sure you keep an eye on what courses the golfers are playing, especially when it comes to first-round leaders. Target uh, the players, target the Nicholas course, and target La Quinta. Now, a couple of other tidbits uh, before we get into deeper into the course. 
the tournament is known for a high amount of holeouts. Now, shot made from anywhere off the green. Since 2012, there have been nearly 700 holeouts during this tournament, all, all you know, all on the courses used. Eight of the last nine winners here played in at least one of the two Hawaiian events prior to their win. The previous six winners played the event before. I uh, played this event before, and the last seven winners of this tournament had a top 15 in one of their last seven starts. Now, the whole Hawaiian angle, it's definitely something to look at, it, but I wouldn't call it the end-all, be-all, uh, because there are going to be some guys uh, who who pop, who come out of nowhere, who didn't play the last couple of weeks, but it is a good baseline to look at, or a good tiebreaker. Like, if you have a couple of guys tied in your model, maybe go with the guy that played last week or the week before. Now, here's the course descriptions for the three courses. Let's start off with the Jack Nicholas Tournament course at PGA West. It's a 7,200-yard par 72 course with four par threes and four par fives and 10 par fours. All the par fives will be reachable by most golfers. The course has hosted PGA Tour qualifying tournaments, and a 59 has been shot here in tournament play in the past. Uh, This course is not very difficult, as it was the second easiest course on tour three years ago, the 11th easiest course on tour two years ago, even though the weather conditions weren't great, and the second easiest course on tour last year. The fairways will be average to large in width, with many bunkers and water in play off the tee on many holes. I don't think the rough will be too thick because of the fact that it is a pro-am. I'm hearing around two inches, and my guess is tour officials will try to set up the course a little bit easier than usual because they will be trying to avoid six-hour rounds with the amateurs playing alongside the pros. The greens will be undulating, multi-tiered, and on the large side with bunkers and water surrounding most greens. Like the other two courses, the greens will be Bermuda grass with a stint meter rating of around 11. Now, La Quinta Country Club is a 7,000-yard par 72 with four par threes, four par fives, and ten par fours. It's been on the regular rotation at this tournament for years and was actually the third easiest course on tour in 2016 and the second easiest uh, uh, last year and the year before. The fairways are tree-lined and average at best in width. Bunkers, water, and local vegetation are in play for wayward drives off the tee, and the greens are average inside with trouble surrounding them, bunkers, and all that good stuff. The stadium course at PGA West is a bit more difficult of a course compared to the other two, but I wouldn't call it overly difficult. It was the 10th easiest course on tour in 2016, the 20th easiest course in 2017, and the 15th easiest course last year. It hosted the Bob Hope Classic way back in 1987, and the golfers back then complained so much about how difficult the course was that they dropped it from the rotation, and the tour didn't come back here until 2016. I don't think the uh, current players will have as much of a problem because of equipment changes and the fact that they play this kind of course all the time. Now, back in two, back in 1987, golfers were used to, you know, wide open, easier courses. Nowadays, golfers play, you know, even though it might not seem like it, they do play tight target golf courses pretty often. Uh, the par 72 Pete Dye course will be around 7,200 yards with four par threes, four par fives, and 10 par fours. The par fives are much longer and more difficult than the other two courses. The par fives here have been some of the most difficult to reach on tour in two. The fairways are average in size and gets narrow near the landing areas. The rough is light, but golfers will have to deal with bunkers and a lot of water is in play on wayward drives and approaches. 
if golfers miss wildly off the tee and they're able to avoid the water in the bunkers, they'll have to deal with dormant grass, which will be similar to the rough, but will be less lush and a bit more patchy. The greens are small with trouble all over the place. There are island greens, 200-yard carries over water on par threes, and enormously deep bunkers. The greenside bunker on 16 is over 20 feet deep. If you remember a few years ago, Mickelson on Sunday hit it into the bunker on 16 and couldn't get his first attempt over the lip, costing him a chance at catching the leaders. The last three holes on the course are tough, with the bunkers on 16, an island green on 17, which is called Alcatraz, and a tough par 4 with water on 18. Golfers need to hit their spots and be as accurate as possible on their approach shots to succeed. Now, some stats to look for uh, this week. Um, first off, I'm going to look at birdie or better percentage. The cut in 2016 with nice weather was minus 9. Last year was minus 7. So golfers need to go low just to play um, just to play on Sunday. These three courses are easy, and we saw in 2016 with eight golfers finishing at minus 20 or better, it'll be a shootout. Even with poor conditions in 2017, Swafford still finished at minus 20 for the win. Also, with the fact that all three golfers are guaranteed three rounds, birdies carry more weight in DraftKings scoring, even if golfers miss the cut on Saturday. I'll also be looking at par five scoring. The par fives on Nicholas and Laquinta are fairly easy. You know, ex- expect a lot of eagles there. Uh, birdies will still abound on the two par fives at the stadium course, even though they're tough to reach into. Uh, in 2016, with similar weather conditions as this week, the top five finishers, Duffner, Lingmurth, Lefty, Loop, and Na, averaged almost 11 under par, which is uh, for, for the par fives that week. Now, Stroke scan on approaches. That's another one I'm going to look at this week. And as long as golfers don't hit it into the water on the fairways off the tee, they shouldn't have too much trouble, uh, you know, reaching the greens because the rough, the rough looks uh, looks light. Um, you know, over 50% of all approaches come from 100 to 175 yards. So good wedge play and good short iron play is something to look at. I'll be taking a peek at strokes gain off the tee as well. There's a lot of drives on these three courses. It will be a driver-heavy course, except for maybe the stadium course. You know, and still at the stadium course, I think Rom last year still pulled out seven drivers. Uh, if I'm not sure, now Rom's probably a, a bad um Example, just because of the way he plays, his sort of bomb and gouge type attitude, hit it as far as you can, let me go find the ball, and I'll hit the approach shot. And, you know, not all golfers can do that. But still, it's going to be a lot of drivers. So I'll take a small picket strokes gain off the tee. And I'm also going to look at par 4 efficiency from 350 to 400 yards and 400 to 450 yards. Um, Nearly 80% of all par 4s come from the 350 to the 450-yard range. All right. So let's move on to the actual golfers this week. Let's start in this 10K and up range. We have Adam Hadwin, Charles Howe, Patrick Cantley, Justin Rose, and John Ram. John Rahm. I'm not going to go too far off the board here uh, with my favorite pick. It's going to be John Rahm at $11,600. You've seen him win this tournament in the past. Um, you also saw that that technique of his New hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or re-hung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. 
just hitting the ball as far as possible and trying to find it and then hitting his approach. That 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 technique will work well here uh, this week. He hits a ton of birdies. There's not really that much. He's become one of the better golfers in the world uh, with wins all over the world on many different types of courses. So, I, you know, I'm going to go with Rom up top. My second favorite play is a little bit aggressive because he's actually going to be my cash game cornerstone. It's going to be Patrick Cantlay at 10,600. My first cash game cornerstone pick. I know he didn't play Hawaii, but like I said, it's not the end-all be-all. And I think the upside is there with Patrick Cantlay. So I was deciding between Charles Howell III and Patrick Cantlay um, for my cash, my first cash game cornerstone pick. I had CH3 written in first. And he's been playing great, and he loves this course. And and, and CH3 is probably the safer play. If it was a two-round cut event, I would probably play CH3 over Cantlay because the whole narrative of playing in Hawaii, you know, having the experience on the course. Now, Cantlay did play this tournament, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, a long time ago, uh, before he was actually – part of uh, what we know of him as today. So he has a bit of experience here, but that course rotation is all different. I think La Quinta might be the only course that was actually the one that he was able to play on that year when he played. But the thing I like about Cantlay is the guy gets a lot of DraftKings points. I mean, he's fifth in DraftKings points. Um, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, so he's fifth in DraftKings points in the last 50 rounds uh, in this field. Now you project that to Charles Howell third, who has been playing Great, but Charles Hill is Charles Howell III is forty fifth in DraftKings points in the last fifty rounds. So I'm going to go a little bit more upside, a little bit more aggressive, and I'm going to take Patrick Cantlay as my first pick. For great with his um uh, irons, really good off the tee, good from four hundred to four hundred fifty yards, elite with his wedges, probably one of the best in the field from 125 to 175 yards in this field. So that's why I'm going Patrick Cantlay over Charles Howell III in, in cash this week. If you want to play CH3 in cash, I'm not going to tell you no. But because of the way this tournament is set up and DraftKings scoring with the three rounds guaranteed, I'm going Patrick Cantlay. Adam Hadwin is interesting. Charles Howell and Hadwin are interesting in this range just because I'm not sure what to make of people and how they're going to go about rostering these top three guys. You would expect that, you know, you have Rom, Rose, and Cantley as your top three. It seems like a great top three. And your fourth highest price is Charles Howell III. Are people really going to not pay up for these top three golfers? So it could leave CH3 and Hadwin at minuscule ownership. And Hadwin's the one I like more for GPPs uh, because he has a lot of good feelings around this course. Palm Beach is very, very popular um, for Canadians this time of year. I mean, uh, Hadwin has said in interviews he thinks the population of the city doubles uh, in the winter because of all the Canadians. So he has a really, really good fan rapport uh, when it comes to this course. And he loves playing here. You can see with the, with the three top tens here uh, in a row the last three years. And those have been specifically on this course rotation. So, you know, here's the thing. If I'm wrong about ownership, which it could happen, I I, I suck at projecting ownership. That was Brad's deal when he was here. And now I use, you know, Fanshare Sports and other, other different places to get my ownership projections. If for some reason Hadwin's going to be extremely high on, which is possible, uh, maybe people don't want to pay up and they want to save that money because of how weak 
the lower tier golfers are. I don't know how it's going to go. For me, looking at it, these top three guys seem like the popular plays. So if Hadwin is under 15%, if he's going to be under owned, under 15% owned, I'll definitely be using him GPPs. If he's above that range, projected anywhere near 20, that could be a fade for me. But we'll see how it goes when it comes to the ownership because it's hard to go go against him um, you know, and his record here and his love for the course. So, again, top the top guys. I love Ron the best. Uh, Patrick Cantlay, the only reason I don't use Ron in cash is because it's a little bit too expensive. And then you got um, Patrick Cantlay as my cash game cornerstone and, and Hadwin, the guy at, to look at. Uh, so let's move on to this 9K range. As I light another cigarette, these things will kill you. They're so bad for you. But let's move on to this 9K range. We're going Luke List all the way up to Andrew Putnam. And this range, one guy I do like, and I think he's going to win at some point in time in the near future, is going to be Abraham Answer. Um, you know, he played decent last week. It wasn't his best week. Um, he could have been shaking off a little bit of rust. He should be coming back uh, into this into this week, you know, nice and warmed up, ready to go. He's going to get a win here soon. Excellent off the tee here recently. Excellent on uh, the longer par fours from 400 to 450 yards. Good tee to green game. Um, at some point in time, he's going to win, and I'm going to go ahead and roster him until he does. Um, other guys in this range, I think you can look past Ches Revy. He could be popular, which is a little bit worrisome. And at that price, it's, it's, it's a little iffy. This is not my favorite range of golfers. Um, but, you know, Ches is someone to look at, especially after his performance last week. The thing is, I mean, you know, last week he holed out three holes. And it was a, such a Ches round. He holed out for three eagles, I can't remember, second or third round, and still only finished minus five for the round. That's some Ches-like shit. So, you know, I'm sort of iffy about him. If, I'm not going to tell you not to play him because he played so well last week. And this course is so short that it could fit his game. A little worried about his ownership. Um, I do like Luke List uh, in this range. This is strictly a GPP play. He can miss the cut by 80 or he can get, you know, be in contention. A guy, another guy off the tee, the best off the tee in this field in the last 50 rounds. And, you know, the funny thing, he's actually been very, very good on short par fours, which is something that you wouldn't think about. And there's a bunch of short par fours here. He's 10th in the field in the last 50 rounds in par four efficiency from 350 to 400 yards. And I get all these stats from fantasy national golf club. So if you guys haven't checked that out, you should go make sure you check it out. He's also really good at um, par fives, really good at strokes gain T to green the par fives. He should be able to crush, which should keep him, you know, through playing throughout the all four days. So I like Luke list as a GPP play this week. All right, let's move on. To this 8K range. My second cash game cornerstone pick is going to be in this range. It's going to be Patton Kazire at $8,700. The stats aren't the best for him. But like I said, you know, you can't just rely strictly on stats all the time. Sometimes you have to go with your eye test. Sometimes you have to go with your gut. And Kazire has just been playing extremely well. Uh, you know, 15th at the RSM. 8th at the Tournament of Champions. 13th in Sony. He tends to play well here uh, at the beginning of the year. So I do like him. I don't expect him to miss the cut. I expect him to play all four days. And I'm going to go with Pat Kazire. One GPP play I do like in this range is going to be Lucas Glover 
at $8,600. Now, Lucas Glover at $8,600 should scare everybody. Uh, you don't really know what you're going to get. but the, And especially, he hasn't played in a long time. But the thing about Lucas is, this is usually his first tournament that he starts with, um, you know, at each and every year. And he has done well um, here, even with no real um, warm-up event coming into this week. I mean, if you look at his performances the last few years, you know, 29th, 41st, 17th, 15th. So, you know, top 30, top 20s, uh, you know, a couple of few times at this event coming out cold. He hasn't finished worth, worse than 17th all fall. Um, so, you know, he should be someone to look at. Again, a guy, T to Green, who's, you know, ball striking usually is always solid. Shockingly, he's 16th in DraftKing points in his last 50 rounds in this field. Also, extremely good on par fives. So that's a guy that I like. Maybe could be sneaky. I'm not sure. Again, not an ownership guru. So we'll see how it goes with his ownership. But I do like Lucas Glover uh, at 8,600. Hudson Swafford's going to be popular. Um, I think I like he could be one that you want to bet on more than DFS because I can never trust Hudson Swafford. Like the way he's played, you know, he hasn't, he had last year was not that great for him, you know, but he has been picking it up here. really just in the Sony. The Sony has been an aberration. Before then, he hasn't had a top 25 since July. Not many top 25s at all, all last year. Now, can he ride that momentum of of Sony into this week's Desert Classic? Maybe. He's coming to a course that he's won before. He's familiar with. uh, But I'm not totally sold on Hudson Swafford. Probably going to be a fade for me. Uh, probably we'll see how it goes, but probably going to be a fade, you know, and he's going to be popular and that's going to be my issue with him. Uh, other guys I do like Ryan Palmer is somebody I will think about, especially in cash. Uh, the guy loves this course has played this course fairly well throughout his whole career. Um, if I, I have his numbers here somewhere, but I can't bring them up, but the guy, oh, there he is, you know, what five top, 20s in his last six appearances here with three top 10s. So obviously he loves the course. He loves this event. His issue is usually Sundays and putting. So, you know, if you can make him, if you can do well, make gets you the Sunday, gets you some points. I think he's cash viable. I think he's GPP viable as well. Uh, Sung JM, another guy who I like this week. The, the thing about Sung Jay is he's had, you know, decent finishes uh, throughout his career. Uh, throughout his early career, since he just got on the tour this season, he had a what 16th at Sony, 15th at the Shriners. So he's had you know a little bit of a success fourth at the Safeway. But the one thing that you know has been his bugaboo, which usually hasn't been a big problem for him, is putting. Now he putted well last week. All the events that he's done well, he has putted well. Now he hasn't been very consistent with his putter. And the thing about it is. You know, putting was probably one of his strong suits in the web.com tour last year. So at some point in time, you know, everything's going to click for this guy. And a win is definitely possible. Shorter course. You don't have to worry about him with his lack of length. But the guy hits a shit ton of fairways. Uh, I think he was second in the field in strokes gain off the tee just last week. Um, So it's another guy that I would think about rostering in GPPs. All right, so let's move on to the 7K range. 
It's a pretty wide range this week. But let's start off with my third cash game cornerstone pick. It's going to be Zach Johnson at um, $7,700. Zach doesn't miss. I know he hurt a lot of people last week, uh, but I can blame that to Rust. Um, You know, he hadn't played in a while, uh, and then, you know, he, he had a poor first round. And then he sort of made up for it with a decent 68 uh, on his Friday round. Still missed the cut. But the thing about Zach is he never misses two cuts in a row. Uh, the last time he missed two cuts in a row on tour was the Masters and the Valero Texas Open in 2017. And they weren't even back-to-back events. The last time he missed two uh, cuts in back-to-back events, it's well more. it's been well over five years, maybe even longer than that, since he's missed two cuts in back-to-back events in back-to-back weeks. The guy is just a consistent golfer. And I and I would go as um you know as Rust is why he missed the cut last week. He should be warmed up. Uh seventy seven hundred dollars is crazy cheap for the guy of his caliber in this field. So he's definitely going to be my third cash game cornerstone pick this week. Even with the missed cut last week, I still think he'll probably be popular because that price tag is just way too low for a golfer of his merit. So let's go and let's do my final cash game cornerstone pick. This one's another one that's aggressive. I'd say Zach Johnson, Kazire, sort of conservative. Cantley and my final pick, Harold Varner III, a bit more aggressive. Now, Varner... He's not an inconsistent golfer. Uh, He's been making a ton of cuts here recently. I think just looking back, he's missed, I think, one cut since May in his last 12 events. So, you know, he he can make the cuts. And the reason I like him is because he's seventh in the field in birdie or better game in the last 50 rounds, 10th in the field in DraftKings points the last 50 rounds. One of the best golfers on shorter par fours, which there's a bunch of, of course, this week. And he's also one of the better wedge players in this tournament. Uh, He's fifth in proximity from 125 to 150 yards and fourth in proximity from 150 to 175 yards in the last 50 rounds in this field. The majority of all approach shots this week will be coming from those two ranges. So I, that's why I do like his aggressiveness, his birdie-making prowess, his wedge play. So those are going to be my four cash game cornerstones. I'll recap them. It's going to be Patrick Cantlay at $10,600, Pat Kazire at $8,700, Zach Johnson at $7,700, and Harold Varner III at $7,400. This leaves you almost around $8,000, $16,000 uh, for the other two golfers. So lots of, lots of ways to go about to fill out the rest of your lineup. Now, other GPP plays that I do like in this range. I'm going to go maybe one a little bit off the board. Peter Uline, if you're looking for a pivot off Zach Johnson, who could be popular in GPPs, you might want to take a peek at Peter Uline. This young guy, uh, his game is coming in the form. I mean, he is from golf royalty. I think his family has uh, is been in the leadership leadership position at Ping uh, for years. I, I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but the guy is a talented golfer. He's had a good fall, finishing with a you know I think he was 
Might have been in the last pairing, the second to last pairing at the RSM Classic. Um, he's coming off a little bit cold, hasn't played in a while, but he's somebody that I think you can get at lower ownership that has upside, who can be, who can do well at this course, who can surprise. Um, I'll be using. I, I've been sort of iffy on Joaquin Neiman just because he hasn't really showed me that much here recently. But at this price tag. In this field, he's hard not to use, especially with his birdie-making prowess. He's actually first in the field, in, uh, Neiman is, in opportunities gained in the last 50 rounds. This is the new stat on Fantasy National. Seeing how many times a golfer gains birdie opportunities compared to other golfers. Also really good at short par fours. Excellent off the tee. Excellent with his irons. I mean, stat-wise, this guy just pops like crazy. But we saw last week with uh, Samuel Ryder, uh, you know, who's was stat god. I think he was sixth in my model, and he was high in everyone's model last week, and he ended up missing the cut. So, again, stats aren't everything, but I think at this price, uh, I can use Joaquin Neiman, even though I'm still not 100% sure on what his future holds, the talents there. I, I think his future is bright. I just don't know what his immediate future is because he hasn't really played that well here recently the last few months. <clears throat> Another guy I like in that mid-range, Richie Wierenski uh, at $7,600. Really good approach game. Really good with his uh, wedges. A gr- good tee of the green. Top uh, 11th in DraftKing points in his last 50 rounds. So I like Warinsky for GPPs as well. Corey Connors, another boom or bust only GPP play. Uh, he could be extremely popular. So it could be a right time for the fade. Like if you see him being 15, 18, 20% projected owned on whatever, whatever site you use to get your projected ownership, it might be worth a fade because this guy's boom or bust. He can go either way. And, and and, you know, he just doesn't have that killer instinct quite yet now. He could have a boon just because of all the Canadians uh, that come down. You know, there's a huge Canadian contingent uh, in Palm Beach, like I said earlier. So that could give him an advantage. If it was just a normal event after what he came with last week, I probably would fade him. But because of that narrative, and, you know, I'm a narrative guy. I'm not all about the numbers and the stats all the time. Um I think, I think I'm going to be using him a, a little bit. I already went over Duffner. Um, other guys in this lower range that I'll take a peek at, uh, Bronson Burgoon with his good approach play, uh, Brian Gay with his amazing putter, uh, you know, very consistent guy, makes a lot of cuts. Those are some guys in the lower range. I might even throw a few shekels on Bud Colley, who's played here well in the past, you know, coming off of that, you know, that car accident, getting back in the form. Uh, maybe we can see something from him this week. All right, so let's move on to this 6K range. First guy I'm going to go is Roberto Castro at uh, $6,900. Again, stats aren't there, but the guys played well at this course here in the past. He has popped a bit uh, a few times recently, if I'm not mistaken, with a fifth at the Sanderson Farms, another weaker field event. Uh, so, you know, it could be someone to look at in your $6,000 range. Um, other guys I do like in this range are going to be, um, you know, people are talking about Alex Prue, people way sharper than me. Uh, I know Josh Cope was talking about him, uh, and I'll go uh, on his recommendation. I, I don't know much about Prue. I do know that he's excellent with his par fives. He's excellent off the tee. Um, and he played decent last week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he's had, I think, a couple of top 25s here 
No, he hasn't had top 25 in a minute. But, you know, the game seems to fit this course, and there's some sharp guys on him. So I'm going to go, you know, with their picks when they're, you know, sharper than I am most of the time. Other guys that I think can have a chance, Brian Stewart, maybe. You know, he finally got another top 10 after going a year without one. Um, He can go – Short courses are sort of his thing. These are all short courses. Maybe he could take some of that momentum all the way up to uh, this week as well. Uh, other guys that I might that I like that you might not have heard much about Taylor Gooch. Uh, you know he sort of pops for me. Very very hit or miss. I mean he doesn't have he has more missed cuts than made cuts. But again you're going down in this low six k range, so you're just trying to find flyers. The one thing I do like about Gooch is he's exceptional with his wedges, and that can help tremendously here. Uh, Taylor Gooch is seventh in proximity from 100 to 125, 125 to 150 yards, and eighth in proximity from 150 to 175 yards in this field during the last 50 rounds. Uh, that's way better than almost everybody uh, else in this field. So that's somebody that I will take a look at at $6,400. Uh, Hank Laboida. At $6,200. At one point in time last week, he was first in greens and regulation. Uh, You know, hits a ton of greens. And top 20 in DraftKings points, uh, you know, in the last 12 rounds uh, in this field. So, you know, he's been getting a lot of birdies. He's actually played short par fives well, well, decent as well. So, Hank LaBoyda, another guy. And then I'll give um, Svensson. Another shot. Who was the first round leader last week? He's sixty five hundred dollars this week. Played out of his gourd um, on on uh, Thursday to disappoint a lot of Putnam first round leader fans. You know he, he definitely screwed the pooch the rest of the round. But you know he, maybe he could come back and maybe he can have strike lightning again and get a whole bunch of birdies, make the cut, and we'll see how it goes. So that's going to be it for the DFS part of our of my pod this week since it's just me. How's it going? Has it been going okay? I feel like I've been rambling a bunch, but that's just me. Also, I have no alcohol, which hurts because we have had a blizzard here in the D.C. area. And, you know, on Thursday, I've been off since Thursday. I went and bought a ton of liquor, and then I drank it all Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then now I don't even want to leave the house because the roads are bad. There's like a foot of snow everywhere, so I couldn't get any booze. Uh, today. So I'm doing this dead sober. So that's another disadvantage I've had. So if this pot, it sucks, blame the lack of alcohol. If it's been good, blame the lack of alcohol again. Anyways, so let's move on to our bets. The betting segment of the Fantasy Golf National or Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast. I'm going to go, since it's just me, it'll be nice and quick. I'm going to start off with a guy I talked with uh, about earlier, Abraham Answer at 33 to 1. The guy is going to win at some point in time. I'm going to put money on him every week until he does. So he's going to either going to make me broke or very, very rich. He's at 33 to 1 right now on Bavada. So I will be rostering Abraham and I will be betting on Abraham Answer. Uh, like I said, I will go ahead and I'm going to go bet Zach Johnson at 50 to 1. 50 to 1. For ZJ in this field, I think is value. I could be wrong. 
You guys know that this betting stuff has just been sort of new to me. I'm getting into it. I'm trying to learn. But that 50 to 1 number on Zach Johnson seems high for a golfer that could possibly do well on a course like this. And then my uh, longer shot is going to be Harold Varner III at 70 to 1. We talked about him earlier. His iron play, his aggressiveness, his, uh, you know, solidness on uh, with his approaches, uh, lots of birdies, really good on short par fours. A win is definitely due for Harold Varner III. So I'm going to go HV3 as my third betting pick this week. All right, so that's it for this week. Uh, I can't believe I filled 50 minutes. It's crazy. That's why I added that stupid Soprano story from the beginning. I had to kill some time. If that thing sucked, just blame me for trying to get to fill the time uh, for for the podcast. But you guys know where to find me. Uh, I write my weekly article for PowerHourDFS.com, um, PowerHourPod.com. I'm sorry. Hey, you get my if you're a subscriber, it's under hundred dollars a month to subscribe. You get my weekly article with pick stats, courses, course description, and trends. You get Jabberwatch cheat sheet. You get a, uh, a customizable stat uh, model where you can customize. And the cool thing about this stat model that we have on Power Hour Pod is that we you can take into account course history and current form and put certain percentages on the on that. And then, you know, compare it with, say I want, uh, say it's a course where course history is super important. I want to have 30% of my um, stat model based on course history, 20% of my stat model based on current form, and 50% of my model based on the stats. And it'll... Do that for you and rank all your golfers each and every week, which is a cool thing to do. Also, the Slack channel, pretty amazing. Make sure to check me out on Twitter at KendoVT. You're going to get a ton of info there that I might not have given on the pod because of time constraints or because of the fact that, you know, you learn more as the week goes on. All right, so that's going to be it for this week. I know it was a strange pod just hearing me talk for 50 minutes, but it was strange for me too. I had no idea what was going on. Don't worry. Next week, we'll be back to normal. Tyler will be back, and we'll be back giving you all the good info you need. Win some money this week. Good luck, DGENs. New hot and iced Sunrise Batch Coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or rehung? Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. New hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend. Brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that. Because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or rehung? Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.